Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. I'm Josh. And hey, guys, we are here, um, and we're super excited. It's just the three of us this week since we've been in our family structure segment. Um, but we're not alone. We actually have a new team member, and he doesn't know I'm, I'm doing this, but uh, we have Grant. Grant, say hey. Hey. Grant is here, and he has joined our team. He helps with our sound. And I get spoiler alert, we're going to have videos coming out this next year. We're going to do video segments and um, just different things. And, man, Grant's just joined in. And so, Grant, welcome to the team. We're super excited. You'll hear him talk here and there. Um, if you ever hear a voice in the background, it's it's not God. It's Grant. Grant's in the <laughs> background, and he'll uh, he'll speak up. And we just love him to death. He's a good friend and uh, dear to us. So, guys, how are we doing this week? Doing well. We are... Um, we're excited. I, I mean, I'm going to speak for all three of us just because we've all said that. We're very excited about our topic today. Um, this was actually, it's an intro question that was sent in by Mitchell Anderson. Mitchell, thank you for sending in your question. Absolutely. We, we One of the things it. that we've agreed on when we started was that we would do a, a question as an intro for every uh, week's podcast. Yeah. And we looked at this topic. Yes. And we decided, you know what? Yeah, we'll do that as an intro. But man, alive, there's so much depth and so much. Uh, meat to that question we're probably not going to have a lot of time right to hit another topic absolutely so, no, no not at all we're probably going to look at uh, this this one question and, and probably make the entire podcast out of it absolutely um and side note too last week we talked about how we got upgrades um but i'm kind of excited we're in a new room this week and yep. so the sound quality in here is i mean perfect um we are not outside the window's up one thing we're working on is getting some ac in this room it's a little warm. um so we're yeah. we're sweating but hey that's fine we're we're in here doing uh the lord's work we're seeking his will um so we'll sweat if we need to we'll just bring some extra deodorant and you know we got some cookies in here so i think we'll be all right so and coffee yes, yes. <laughs> so um very strong coffee this week my apologies guys it's yummy uh, <laughs> we'll get wired <laughs> um so but before we even jump into this question um we did come to an agreement to really discuss something real fast that's worth talking about every week at this point. Yep. And it's about church being open. Um, guys, why is it so important right now that people would take advantage and open up and go to church? It's, it's that daily feeding or, you know, or the weekly coming together in fellowship with one another, you know, in one accord. And it's, like I says, I've said many times that, you know, it's come Sunday or even Monday nights, Wednesday nights. I'm looking forward to the assembly together Amen. because when we come together, I mean, that's where we can truly let our guard down for that moment, you know, to just be fellowship with one another to, you know, unload burdens as well. You know, to bring a brother or sister along with you to, you know, to pray, yeah. you know, and lift each other up. Um, so. I would hate to think of it doing going that walk alone. Yeah. Uh, um, before we turn Hunter loose, I know he's he is uh, cocked and loaded for yeah. this topic. Absolutely. But let's let's realistically think about some things that uh, we are and we are not talking about. We're not talking about your weakened immune system. We're not talking about uh, those folks with terminal illness. But we're talking about people that are choosing to stay home. Right. That could be assembled at god's house or go to walmart or go to walmart exactly <laughs> yes. exactly so the, the, and again uh, when we when we bring this topic up let's think about the folks who cannot come 
that would love to come. Absolutely. Uh, there are people uh, with physical ailment. There are people in nursing homes. There are people who... Yeah, they're uh, in, 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 yeah. in in a foreign country that risk their lives every time they crack the word of God open. Yeah, that would love to have the freedom to assemble themselves together in the name of Christ, in the name of God, and worship openly and boldly the way we have a privilege and opportunity to, yep. but some choose not to take advantage of. And I, I'm going to open up the can. Really, go ahead. I man. mean, <laughs> I, I'm just my heart's burdened uh, about this for the people. First, I want to ask this. I want to. Why are you so afraid? Why are we so afraid? I understand that the coronavirus is real, and I understand it takes life. We've had people in this church that their lives have been taken due to the coronavirus and the pneumonia that falls. But I just see people who are scared. I mean, they're terrified. And I just want to ask that question, but I also want to follow up with this. Do we not serve a sovereign God who yes. controls all things? That's it. It says it clo- he clothes the lily of the valley. He He feeds the birds. I mean, he knows every hair that's on our head. Therefore, if we serve a sovereign God, why are we afraid? Yep. And, I, and it's not just uh, the sickness. It's government and everything that's going on right now. Why are we afraid? You know, when I think of the coronavirus, like I said, I think of real scenarios where people's healths are in danger. And me and my family do, too. We've got a, a young grandchild, and yeah, we really value absolutely. her, and we love her, and we want to be precautious and make sure that we do everything we physically can to keep her healthy. But here's the deal. Me and my entire family have had this discussion. Life and death lie in the hands of God. Absolutely. And my, my faith is anchored in the promise that nothing can touch me unless it comes through his hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I understand that if I am going to have my faith in God, I need to have my faith in my grandchild in God to where that when we raise her, we're trusting his ability to keep her healthy. We're trusting his ability to nurture her and help her develop, not only physically, but also spiritually. That's important. So, I mean, before I continue, let me ask you guys this. Can you be safe and not fearful at the same time? Like, can you practice safety? You know, you're not going to go around and lick doorknobs so right. or the, lick the sink in the bathroom. Here's the deal: most folks don't know this, or some folks do, some folks don't. My my profession, I'm a I'm a I'm a safety professional. I, I spend my day. Well, I spend my day <laughs> doing <laughs> doing, doing uh, uh, JSAs and, and, and safety audits and uh, PPE inspections yeah. and a lot of compliance driven. Thou shalt, because I said so. It's the way OSHA's set up. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, there's 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 you do it. If you don't, there's consequences. Yeah. So I I I make a living out of uh, driving compliance, and it's not fun. And I'm not well liked because of it. But here's the deal: when when I take the the, the concept of safety, even in an industrial environment, uh, safety comes from God. Every bit of it does. It's it's, it's provided by Him and, and, and our security. And, and when we start trying to uh, take things into our own hands and and try to manipulate uh, man alive. Uh, understand where our role is and where God's role is. He's the provider of all of our needs, yeah. everything that we'll ever uh, encounter in life. And I, I take that approach at work. I do. And I understand there's some things that uh, if you put your finger in a light socket, there's things that are going to happen from it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's, there's consequences yeah. for that. The Don't do th- that. Same, same thing with life. When I make poor decisions, when I'm in, in, in a, in a uh, a day where some folks call it a bad hair day or my attitude is out of alignment and I, 
we we do it. We all get bad attitudes. Yeah. Understand that the decisions I make in that bad attitude will have consequences. Yeah. Will have consequences. So but tying all this back to the corona, man I love, I tell you what. Uh yeah, I understand that it's real. I understand that there's danger out there. And I understand that we need to do certain things. Wash your hands and and and, and if you feel comfortable uh wearing a mask, <laughs> wear a mask. But make sure Well make sure yeah. we don't deny God the glory and the recognition yeah. and acknowledgement of the power that he's got and his provision that he's always provided. Well, he's always been faithful. And I was even thinking, you know, Scripture says we're more than overcomers, right? Well, we don't need to be fearful. We're more than overcomers. I mean, so when you think of the context of that text, now, now when it says I'm an overcomer, now I'm not going to pull Kenneth Copeland and a lot of these, you know, the money preachers and what was that, the video he did? In the name of Jesus, COVID, I blow you away. And yes. he, now, I'm not an overcomer where I can overcome weather or tell a disease to die. I mean, let, let's think about this. I mean, let's be real, though. Neither are they. He, I mean, he's, <laughs> I mean. He, yeah, and they're not. And he claimed, he claimed that that was a word from the Lord that yeah. he received. And he said, COVID will die. Well, here we are, about yeah, six months. Still in it. And we're still, it's still here. People are still dying. So if you support, you know, the false preachers, uh, just. Just there's you an example, but so I'm not an overcomer in the aspect of you know I can you know tell the wind where, where to blow and that stuff, but I am an overcomer in the sense that I've been delivered from my sins. Yep. Yes. So not only have I been delivered from my sins, but now I'm a fellow heir. I'm a child of God, and so therefore, since I'm a child of God, when it comes to fearful things, I just trust Him, and right. I'm not I'm not scared. I'm not begging for death. I'm not licking, you know, the toilet seats or doorknobs wanting the coronavirus. I'm not looking for death, and I'm not looking for that. But, I, you know, when Proverbs 3, you know, when it talks about trusting the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your in your own understanding, understanding. Yeah. you know, acknowledge Him. He'll make your path straight. Then when it comes to this time right now, I know people are saying that this election is the most crucial point in history. I, I think the most crucial point right now is what the church is going to do. Yep. Are we going to bow down to government? Are we going to bow down to things that we can't see? Are we going to bow down to the enemy? Or are we going to bow down to God who can literally control all things? And when we die, we're not dead. You know, I was listening to uh, Billy Graham's grandson today. He, he's an evangelist and he was preaching a message. And he quoted, he said, my grandpa said, if they tell you I'm dead, they're lying. I'm not dead. I've just began really living. And so, you know, if the coronavirus or something were to take me out, which I'm not asking for it, I know this. I know that to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. And if I can be in the presence of the Lord because it's my time to go, then I'll see you when I get up there. And then we can talk about, you know, whatever, when everyone else gets up there. And, and we just don't need to be afraid. And so one, one more important point that we need to talk about before we move into the to today's topic Uh while you're out of church, uh, that spiritual yes. nutrition that needs to take place, uh, where do you gain that from, Hunter? Well, no, I mean, no, nowhere. I, I mean, think about this. I, I heard this analogy a long time ago, and some people may not like it, but if you got two dogs and they're going to fight at the end of the day, yep. right? Terrible analogy. We don't support dog fighting here at Watson's Chapel. Analogy. If you got two dogs and they're going to fight at the end of the day, and you feed one dog all day, right? And the fight comes... What dog's going to win? 
The one that gets fed the most. The one that gets fed the most. So if we look at our flesh, our sinful state, and we look at our spiritual side, if we feed one more than the other, what, what's going to happen? Yeah. You're going to fail because you can't serve the two masters. You can't be in, on the fence. It's either you're going to serve and obey the passions of the flesh. You know, when Romans yeah. 6 you know, says don't present your members to, to the evil ways, don't present to unrighteousness, Paul's given us a command from the Lord, but it also interjects that we have a free will and I can refuse to follow that command and I can present my members to unright. So during this time, and Josh, I want you to run wild with this too. You know, if you're not in church and you're not listening to the Word of God, then what are you listening to? Josh, what you got? Well, you're listening to the rest of the world. You're listening to the media. You're listening to what people around you are telling you. You're listening to the gossip on the streets. Yeah, and and you're also listening to that. You're talking about the two feeding one. Well, we got to keep in mind we're born in a sinful state. It's we don't teach ourselves how to sin. It's natural to us. So therefore, if we're not feeding ourselves spiritually the Word of God and under you know in prayer in those study in un- sitting under biblical teachings, then our sinful state is going to run wild. You know, it doesn't take us but a second to lose train of thought. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, that's why it says to die to ourself daily, you know, so it's that we come to that place of understanding that we cannot do it on our own. <laughs> we can't. If you, yeah. Hey, if you take a collar off a dog, what's it going to do? It's yeah. going to run that's away. Exactly I mean, right. it's exactly right. When we, when we try to uh, sub- sustain our spiritual, and this is, this is me speaking. Now, when I, when I'm uh, in church and, and, listening to God's word and I'm worshiping, I'm focused on spiritual advancement and, and sanctification. I steal from Sunday to Monday, from Sunday to Wednesday, from the time I get out of church till the time I can get back, have that, that hunger, that man, that weakness, that uh, man, love this world's had an impact on me. You've you tasted know, that living driving, water, Alan driving here today. I mean, I'm like, man, alive, gosh, I hate my job. And my, I could tell my attitude's getting bad. And, and, and there's things about the being away from God and his people that erode at my spirituality. Tasted the living water. Life's forever changed. I'm not, I'm not saying any different about that. I'm saying I'm internally in God's, uh, fold, but, that weakening that happens yeah. when Satan just continually bombards and, and man alive, when the the world is full of so much anger and full of so much hatred and full of so much bitterness, uh, you, you can just, uh, you know, see the fact that, you know, he's really good at what he does. Yeah. He's good at, he's good at attacking people. He's good at he's sucking. The pr- the, he's the prince of this world. Good that's at, what scripture yeah, says. Sucking the life out of God's people and keeping them beat down and, and, and a scared to open their mouth because they're the minority and somebody might be offended. Uh, understand we win. We're on, we're on the winning side. That's right. And, and yeah. As Amen. We, yeah. As we, uh, go through this, this life, well, we need all the strength that we can just to, to maintain and, 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 and to be a lot to, to the ones that we interact with. Well, and I mean, and I know we're about, and this transitions into what we're about to talk about perfectly. Uh, but I just want to say this too, you know, if you can go to Walmart and not go to church, I don't want you to think, I don't want you to explain it to me. I just want us all to imagine if God Almighty was in front of us. Yeah. <laughs> 
How would we justify going to a store, but then saying, well, I can't go to church? Well, so why are you going to Walmart to get food? So, yeah. so you get physical food. Yeah. Something to, that's something to sustain your physical needs. Absolutely. The yeah. house of God, that's where you're going to get spiritually fed. Yeah. Um, that's you know why it's important to make yourself, you know, that, yes. and I, and, but like I said, it's also the habit. Yeah. It's the habit. And I mean, it doesn't take long for that habit to form to where you become, you know, because of the COVID it, churches were shut down and you could not assemble together. So they all went online services and people had opportunities or time on Sundays. Well, they gotten used to. That, that freedom of Sundays and not having to, that discipline to go to church and so when we were when we were absolutely shut down yeah I mean, we were not having service except online uh, some of the things that the pastor requested was that we do some Sunday school studies and video and put them online so uh, one of the topics that I covered was the emotional stability that God provides and, and if you're listening to this and you hear me talk a lot about, you know, controlling your thoughts and, and uh, maybe uh, someone out there is in that dark place that is, uh, uh, you know, scary and maybe you don't know where your next meal is going or you don't know, uh, you know, how you're going to pay your lot bill, things like that. And worries of life have overtaken you. Understand, there is a, a refuge from the cares that Satan and the world wants to pile on you. And it's found in the presence of God and amongst his people that will support and pray for you. And uh, there is absolutely no substitute. If you're a child of God, you know where you need to be. If you're physically able, you know where you need to be. Well, and, and I wouldn't even say this. Um, and this is kind of a story. This just came to my mind. You know, if we go in the woods, right, and we go in the woods and we're going to camp and it's dark. So we're going to build a fire, right, our light source mm-hmm. where we can get light and take it. So, you know, when you leave that fire, so let's say, you know, you, you light a stick on fire and you start walking. Well, eventually you're going to get so far that your flame can go out, right? If you right. don't take care of it, if you don't do the right things, the flame will go out. Okay, but if you don't go back to the light source, right, how are you going to... And, and that's just what I think, you know, uh, the assembling of the people... The, where the Word of God is being exhorted, where it's being taught. You know, this is our light source. And, you know, when we leave the assembly, like, we have opportunities to study on our own, but if we're not going to take advantage of the light source, if we're not going to take advantage of the living water, and then we get so far out that the darkness is starting to kind of stain us and, and and try to block the light, you know, you can, if you put a light under a basket, why would you do that, Right. So there are things in this world that want to block that. And that light is the gospel that is within us. And so my, my fear is that there's just people who are wandering from the church. They don't want to go back. And it's either they're trapped in the darkness or they're like a person in a desert. They're just dry yeah. and they don't know what to do. And, and that's why we're talking about. Like if you can say you can go eat and go to Walmart, but you won't come to church because you're afraid of the coronavirus, then I'm worried. Because to me, it seems like something in your mind is justifying going out into the world, into the restaurants, but then you're just going against assembling with your church folk. Yeah. And if you're like, well, when I go to Walmart, I can social distance and be by myself. You can do that here. Absolutely. We have people, listen, we've had members who will come in the side door of the church and sit down by themselves where no one is around them. We've had people call in and make requests. 
I'm coming today. My, you know, my health's not great, but I want to be in the assembly. Can you help me? And what does our leadership do? Yes. How can we assist you to get you in the house of the Lord? Can we put a chair out by itself? Can we, you know, do you want to sit out in the foyer and watch it through the TV? How can we help you meet your needs to come to the house of the Lord? And that's why we're talking about this is because we want people to feel encouraged to know that, you know, we're not here to point fingers at you, but we so we're just so concerned right now. We prayed about it Monday night about the church and people that we know that are not coming back right now. But we see them out. We see them doing other things, but they won't come to church. And not only are they not coming to church, but they're not letting their kids come to church. And and it just breaks my heart. Um, But one thing that's cool about this is, you know, we're talking about church, we're talking about everlasting things and where our focus is, and that's what we're talking about today, literally. So I'm going to read this verse. This is literally Mitchell's question is, you know, what does this verse uh, mean? And so I'm going to read it. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, if you have your Bibles. Um, I want to encourage you, you know, look this up and come with us. Now, we've been in Matthew 5, right? Remember when we did the salt of the earth and we talked about um, real Christians and real salt and all, and it was just an amazing podcast. And I we love mentioned it. this verse in just passing. We didn't do yeah. a deep uh, but know, here we are. We're discussion back. about it. <laughs> we're back. So here we are. We're back. And so the verse says this. It says, and this is the King James Version, which we all have. And this is, you know, where Mitchell's question came from. So we're going to read this version. It says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And so literally our topic today is this verse. And um, we're just going to kind of walk through it. And guys, if you if you don't care, I, I kind of want to start us at the very beginning of this verse. Go Be- ahead. Because this is where, this is why we focus on it so much. So, you know, in verse uh, 17, Jesus says, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I, I'm not to come to destroy, but I've come to fulfill it. And he says, Verily I say unto you. So this ain't Paul. This ain't Peter. This is God's son saying, I say this to you. Now, guys, when we see that this is red letters, this is literally the words of Jesus Christ. And he says the phrase, I say to you, how important is it? Like, how, how should we view what's getting ready to be said? Is it, is it important? It, does it have a lot of weight to it? Like, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't, when, usually when he says, I'm going to say something, I say this. I mean, this is God Almighty with the authority to say this. So how important is this it, first part? Well, it, it's it's one of those things that's like, uh, here's your, here, here, you need to listen up and it, and I catch myself. I mean, with a person that's <laughs> that's got some listening deficiencies, and I mean, I can be looking at you, staring right straight at you, with my brain not be connected, you know, Same. not not be engaged, just looking, somewhere else, yeah, with my mouth, <laughs> my mouth open, and just kind of staring at catching you. bugs. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Jesus is saying, "Listen, I'm gonna, I'm going to say something." Look, look, and when he when he says this. Uh, it's uh, it's the authority of heaven. Yes, it's, it's the authority, authority of heaven. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's what I and that's what I look at, at the word. I mean, anytime Jesus uses the word "I," this ain't just a man that's getting ready to talk. This is God saying, "I say." It's the it's the author speaking about the word. Yeah, and when we stop and think about. The, some of the things that uh, Jesus had experienced with the scribes and the Pharisees, the accusations of, well, you're you're not, and you're not doing this, and you're not doing that. Why you what? And it was misinterpretation 
of God's word. And it was man saying, you don't know what the word says. When in reality, he is the word. He said, he's the, he is the word. You're, you're talking to the word, the authority, the only authority on the word. And so uh, I'm excited for us to get into this. And, and I, lo- and, and I love that you said that, too, about him being the Word, because this past Sunday I got to go preach at a church, and literally my sermon was, the Word stands forever. Um, and we'll talk, we're will talk. we going to talk about some of the scriptures that I talked about. I don't want to jump ahead of the horse. But one thing that I, I wanted to walk through with the body that I was with, the church I was at, was when you see that John 1 refers and says, in the beginning the Word was with God, the Word was God, he was the word in flesh. And you see all of these phrases. You have to understand that the Lord inspired Scripture. Now you're thinking, well, Hunter, it says God inspired Scripture. The Trinity, right? Yep. So you, you have God in three yep. forms. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the way that I explain this to teenagers is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all draw from the same outlet. Right, so if you have three plugs plugged into a power strip, it's all coming from the same power source. Yep. So the Son, the Spirit, and the Father all drew from God, and all were God. It wasn't three separate bodies. It wasn't three separate things. They were three people in one. They all came from the same power source. So therefore, that's why Jesus said, you know, the things I'm telling, you know, he would always say, well, the Father, the Father, the Father. And at one point, he said, you know, if you love me, you know, keep what I say. And then he says, well, it's not even what I say. Because it's from the Father. So when it refers to Jesus Christ as the Word, you have to remember that He was God in flesh. Yep. And so therefore, all of Scripture was inspired by God who was in Christ, who was God. So therefore, He is the Word. He knew everything that Scripture was going to say. And so when we look at this, but we look at other places of Scripture, we have to understand that literally Jesus has all authority to be called that Word and to live that Word because who does the Bible rotate around? Jesus. He's in the middle of it. The Old Testament, the New Testament, all of those things point to the middle of the Bible, which was what? It was Jesus. And so he is the Word, and when he speaks, it's like... You know, when you read the Old Testament with Moses and them, and they're, well, who do we who do we tell him sent us? And he says, "I am." Yeah. Okay. So when he uses the word "I," I mean, the same thing happened in the Old Testament. I am, and so Jesus says, "I say." So same God with all authority, to, all authority to speak. Josh, what you got? So on the authority issue, though, one of one of the things that um, popped out to me was. The, the whole Sermon on the Mount, when he is addressing it, he's basically laying a structure out and before them he of ethics, yeah. you know, saying, here's what we, this it is. But the one thing that, like, really stuck out to me in this is because I was thinking about the law. So you got the law, you know, and a lot of people, as soon as you say law, they think Old Testament. And that's immediately where it goes is the Old Testament and all of that, of the people under that. And then what we, what, what I love about this is, you know, the Sermon on the Mount— there was 400 years that basically the Sadducees and the Pharisees came up in that time period. Um, so when they came up, they had religion. They had they lived under this form of religion. But what I like is that, and we see that as a sign of authority. If uh, it's in um, Matthew 5, in verse 22, in verse 27, 33, 43, 38, He's saying, this is the law. So he's saying, you have heard this. So he's referencing the law and saying, this is what you've heard. But I say unto you. 
Yeah. And that's his response. That's authority. This, this is me. Notice a very key phrase in the language that Jesus uses is, you have heard. Yes. Which means somebody told you. Right. You didn't read it. You heard it. So here, and here's here's what I want to I want to just talk about for just a second. When these scribes and Pharisees are turned loose, and they're they're the authority, the church people that basically interpret God's word however they want to, and they teach mm. others what they believe instead of teaching what the concept or the precept of God's word says, and, and we get into that. And, and yes. Jesus goes on to say, you know what? You've heard it said this. Here's what I say. Uh, yeah, exactly. I here's, mean, here's what I say. Ooh, and I mean, that hits a, a subject for me that, you know, uh, yeah, so the Pharisees try to take the law and manipulate it, right? Yes. And a lot of people are like, well, we're not Jews. Okay, but the Protestant Reformation, what did the, yeah. ca- what did the Catholic Church try to do? Yeah. They literally took the word, and they would not hand it out into the normal common people. And in fact, they chained it to the pulpit so that way people could not have the word. So what does Martin Luther do, right? Yeah. He gets the word, and he copies it, and he puts it throughout the street, and all of a sudden a reformation takes place. Uh, and, and the word gets out to the common people. And so this wasn't just a Jewish thing. This is a man thing where they want to take the authority that we have been given and not be good stewards of it and misuse it to try to control the people. And, and I mean, so when Jesus spoke, you know, at one point he, he even says that people were astonished at his teaching because he had more power and authority than the Pharisees yes. did. So when he spoke, you want to know why it was so powerful? Because literally, when the listen, when the Old Testament refers to the Lord, right? when people spoke, you know, when Abraham was on the mount and the angels appeared to him and there was, you know, the Lord appeared, but then two angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah. The third one was the Lord, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're in the fire. Who was the fourth person? It was the Lord. And you're thinking, well, Hunter, how do you know that? Because Colossians teaches us that he is the image of the invisible God. So therefore, anytime the Lord has appeared to anyone in the New Testament or the Old Testament, it was Jesus because he was the face of the invisible God. So therefore, when he spoke and he said, I say, or you have heard, but I say this, he has all authority within heaven and earth to speak that word because he was there when it was first given i mean jesus didn't have to study the listen he started teaching at 12 years old in the temple and they were astonished at the power he had i want everyone to check this out in the jewish culture the boys had to study and have the law memorized about the age of 14 they had to have everything memorized at the age of 12 jesus was blowing people's hats off because he was in the temple teaching them do you want to know why because literally he was there when it first was given the flesh he was the word he He is the the word in the flesh (laughs) and so he literally could just speak it and that's why when the the pharisees would put him on the spot and he uh, at one point even challenged me said go and try and interpret what this says you know read you've heard this you've heard this it wasn't hard for him. He didn't have to think, oh, uh, what was that one verse? Well, he literally was the word, so he just spoke it. And he fulfilled it. Yes. Because the word That's had to the be key. fulfilled. That Go is ahead, the Josh. key. Yeah, so the fulfillment of the... the f- 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 uh, excuse me. Go the ahead. fulfillment of the We're getting the excited. Law. We're yes. getting crazy over here. Yes. <laughs> so that is the key to it, though, is that that when, when Jesus fulfilled it... So if we sit there and we... So 
go back to the Pharisees. The one thing the Pharisees had is, and that's why Jesus addressed it with them, is they had the appearance looking good of oh. keeping the law, but inside their heart. The plate. He gave the example of the yes, plate and the cup. the mm. outside is clean, mm. but mm. the inside is still filled. Absolutely. Yes. So that was the, but they had it down to a key, or t, a t, you know, they keeping, looked. Yes. Rule keeping, legalistic. Yes. Uh, Thou shalt, because we yes. do, you should. We're holier than you. Exactly. Right. I'm glad right. I'm not exactly. like other yeah. men. The, yes, yes. Mm. It, perfect Jesus. example. But that's the thing. Is, so, so we have these, and that's what he's saying that, you know, but when he gave the law, if without the fulfillment of the law, no man, this is God's standard. The law is God's standard. No man can ever achieve that. It's only Christ that could achieve that. Yeah. God came to achieve so if you're, gonna, if you're gonna base your life by keeping it, yes. If you're basing your life by trying to keep the law, you have to keep the law in its entirety, all of it. Exactly. No, and that's what it's saying that that little jot, that little every, tittle, every, every part of the law you have to keep. So wait a minute. So then you say, well, how is, how does one obtain it? Through Jesus, through Christ, because He's the one that fulfilled it. And without the fulfillment of Christ, we have no hope. Exactly. Well, I mean, even but he he fulfilled it. And when uh, prophecy was given in the Old Testament, you know, Daniel would talk about the end times. You know, all the prophets would refer, and you're like, well, you know, we're really waiting for proph- prophecy to be fulfilled. Well, it's already been fulfilled, and you're like, well, we're waiting for the Lord to come back exactly because He ascended to the right hand of God and said, "I will return." Yes. That prophecy was about the Word being fulfilled, right? The Lord. Yep. So, I mean, it's ready. It's we're here we are waiting, and when He comes down, the Word's going to be fulfilled. Why? Because Jesus is doing what was prophesied about. So for Him, you know, when it talks about any time that the Word would be fulfilled, well, literally, I mean, it was, right? So uh, there had to be a payment for sins. We needed a high priest. We needed a king. Um, we needed a Savior. We needed all these things. And then Jesus, who is the living Word, shows up, and He's like, oh, well, I am the Word, and right. I'm going to fulfill all these things that humanity needs because God preordained it to happen. Right. And I mean, he's, he's God in the flesh. And so... Let's just read the rest of the verse because, I mean, we're, we're right here at it. Uh, so, we, you know, we talked about that it says, I say unto you, but now it says, Till heaven and earth shall pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So, here's the alley-oop. I don't know who wants to start with this. I started with the first part, but I, I'd love to see when y'all run off with this. So, who who's going to take it? Go, Josh. All right, so... um. Let's go with the jot and tittle. Um, yeah. So jot is a basically is the smallest Hebrew letter, um, and then the tittle. Um, it says basically it's the um, minute ornament over the Hebrew letter. So it's basically the dot, just the very it's small. Like a, a, a abbrevi- I mean apostrophe s. It's yes. like the abbreviation. Yes, of English it's just language. a little pen stroke. I mean it's a, it's very very small. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we we look at this, that this is how. This is how strict he's being with it. If you're saying, if you're going to keep the law, be an understanding that not one, one of the smallest things, nothing can change. And that's the, that's, again, when we look upon this, we came, we got to come to an understanding that this is God's standard. This is what God is expecting. We do not fulfill, nor can we fulfill this. This is why Jesus is addressing this with them 
at the Sermon on the Mount is he's setting it up. He's showing them the whole entirety of it. He says, this is what you have heard. This They knew the law. Who he was pre- preaching in the sermon to knew the law. He, they knew what was expected. And he's saying, though, and that's why he kept moving it forward. But I say unto you, but I say unto you, he's putting that standard out there because it's a matter of the heart and it's a matter of that servitude mindset of being able to keep the law, which we cannot do. So therefore, by not being able to, he's making himself known that we need a Savior. So when you look at the law, that we know, we then know we need a Savior, which then drives us to the cross, to the one that fulfilled the law. So there's there is a big misconception that you will hear people say that well he destroyed the law he got rid of it the word fulfilled does not mean anything of a destroy or anything else um and, and an analogy that i heard one time that really sat with me or explained it well for me was there was a guy that asked for more water and he got it filled and he asked the waiter that we know he says will you fill my glass to the top he filled it and then as soon as the waiter had filled it he told him he told the waiter, you said, you can take my glass now. And the waiter looked at him puzzled, and his friend looked at him puzzled, and he goes, the thing was filled. So that's kind of the thing, thing that Christ did, is by filling it, he didn't give us to, to, to not pay attention to it. By fulfilling it and filling the law, what he did for us is give us that passage so we can obtain the law through him. Well, and I, Josh, I kind of want to keep setting you up um, with uh, some scripture, Romans 8. I mean, okay, Romans 8, 1, There is uh, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death, talking about the Mosaic law that was given. Okay, right. verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, verse 4, in order, listen, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So you have to see that this verse is literally saying exactly what Josh just said. It says that the law of the Spirit of life has set us free in Christ. So there is a law of the Spirit, and one of the the thing about the law of the Spirit is it gives freedom. That's what the Spirit does. It, it, you know, it sets us free. It gives us spiritual life. It brings us. It washes us, regenerates us, and we can be born again because of the Spirit. Okay, in Jesus Christ. Yes. So the only reason we can be born again in the Spirit of God is because Jesus died on the cross. Okay. So it says in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death. For the wages of sin is death. Okay, so what brought death, right? Sin did. When sin entered in, death was close behind. That's something I've always said. So God gave the law. The law tried to reveal, it was sent to show wickedness. It was sent to show sin, but it was given to the people and he was like, you know, keep the law. Okay, well they couldn't, right? So then you get to verse uh, 3. For what for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So God gave the law to point out sin. Okay, all of a sudden, uh, weakened by flesh could not do. None of us could keep even the first, the Ten Commandments. I'm not talking about everything else that came after right. the Ten Commandments. Nobody could keep those. I mean, it literally says weakened by the flesh could not do. Okay, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. 
and for sin. So God sent his son, who was 100% God, in the body of a man. Therefore, when Jesus came and he encountered temptation, he was perfect because he was God. So he didn't struggle. He just said, no, this is sinful. When Satan tempted him, what did he say? The word says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. He could handle those situations. Someone had to conquer the sin temptations so we could have access to conquer sin temptations. Okay, then it says he condemned sin in the flesh, so he told it no. Okay, verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be be fulfilled in us. Exactly what Josh said. We couldn't keep the law. There was a righteous requirement that was required to keep that law to be found innocent in the eyes of God, and it was to keep even all ten, the first ones that were given. And it said that that requirement was fulfilled in us, but how was it fulfilled in us? It was fulfilled by Christ. No one can keep this law. The tittle, the jot, one description said it would be like the corner of a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Imagine what the corner of a letter looks like. He's not saying that literal corner. He's painting the picture that the smallest thing, right? A a mark on a piece of paper. It won't pass. It won't pass. Not only will it not pass, but it can't be fulfilled by a natural man. And, I mean, Josh hit it on the head when he talked about the jot and the tittle. But what I love is, you know, heaven and earth can pass. So, like, literally, man, mm, so literally, when you get into Josh, you got Isaiah forty six through eight. You have it written down, or no? I can I can get us there real quick. Okay, Josh is getting us. So Isaiah is getting ready to prophesy, um, and he's getting ready to one before that. He's going to talk about John the Baptist. He says the voice in the wilderness, referring to John the Baptist, who's going to come in the early part of the gospel. He's going to prepare the way of the Lord. You know, he's the the man that said, "For the flesh is weak, the spirit's willing." He said, "This man that comes, you know, I'm not worthy enough to strap his sandals." So he's going to prophesy. But then, okay, this is Isaiah 40, you know, you'll get into 45, then you get to 50, then you get to 53. So he's getting ready to set the scene and predict Christ is going to come and what's going to happen. Josh, are you there? Yes. All right, go ahead. All right, this is uh, Isaiah 40, verse 6. The voice said, cry, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass wherewith the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, surely the people is grass. The grass, um, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. Okay, so Alan, let me set you up. You ready? You ready. All right, so now we've seen that heaven and earth can pass, right? And yep. the word won't pass. Okay. Yep. So when you study out the grass and the flowers, so the grass represents our life, a human, a human's life expectancy. There's a, man, a day appointed unto each man, you know, that day of death, the Lord's appointed that. So that's what grass means. But see, grass also produces flowers. So our human lives will produce flowers and by that, riches, good well-being, things that happen. So Isaiah says that those things are going to pass, mm-hmm. but the word will stand forever. Now Jesus has said heaven and earth can pass, but the word will still stand Alan, what I mean, what comes in your mind when you hear that literally the world could burn up and our lives could die, but the word will still stand? What comes to your mind? So let, there, there's several things that come to my mind. Primarily, our intro where we talked about, man, I'm, I'm not in church and and I'm I'm not sick, but there's just no real desire. Or there's no real sense of urgency for me to be in church. Understanding that the only eternal things that matter are not of this world 
they're of God, and it says not to lay up things in store in this world where moth and rust could corrupt it, but to lay up in heaven the things that can't be yeah. touched. And, and the eternal work that God does, it, when we... When we when we look at the scripture and the, the authority of of God's word and how that uh, it will not pass, it, it, it is eternal. And you look at a man and you look at his time and you look at his steps and you look at his. The Bible talks about it, it's like a, just a, a vapor. You know, I've got a cup of coffee right here in front of me. You hold it up, a steam, it'll come up about two or three inches out of the top of that cup, and then it's gone. So. When you think about us as 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 people, uh, man, I can remember when I was a young man. It seemed like it's just not been that long ago, uh, and now uh, staring fifty straight in the face. I mean, start looking right at it. <laughs> but I understand that when we uh, uh, talk about the things that we want to see done, the things that we'd like to see accomplished, you know. Uh, the bu- even the fleshly bucket list things. Our days are few, and our time to accomplish that is short. So uh, when we look at, uh, and I used this example one time when we were uh, teaching Sunday school. If we had a rope, and we tied a knot in that rope, right? And then we went out a full arm's length, stretch our arms as far as we can, grab the rope, drop it, tie another knot in it, Right? And everything on the left side of the first knot represented our life. Everything between the two knots represented the things that went on during it. And then everything on the other side of the knot, and it went from here through the wall, across the mountains, into North Carolina, across the into would represent eternity. The part that we know in reality in the flesh is going to be a blip. Yes. Just a very small amount of time. Just like that jot. Just like yeah. that tittle in God's yeah. Word. It's it's just a mark when it comes to God's Word, God's plan for the universe. I know we get hung up on ourselves and we get to thinking a lot about ourselves. But man alive, uh, God's, God's plan's big, guys, when you get thinking about it and the universe and what part we play in it. We're just a microscopic dot that's very finite, and we're only on this earth for a little while. Well, well, it's even like, um, you know, when we think about Jar, you know, when Jar, Brother Jar, he's a deacon here. When he passed away, I had a huge, I learned a lot from his death. And I learned that this life is part one of a bigger scheme. Now, Jar went from part one to part two. So Jar went from the smaller part to the bigger part. And Absolutely. by that, he passed from this life to the next life, which is eternal. And, and after serving with Jar for uh, 28 years, uh, seeing his life, seeing the man that he was, and it, literally, it, it, if you're around a man for 28 years and there's a, a hint of untruth or hypocrisy, it's going to come to the surface. After 28 years, I guarantee you, I can say with full confidence, Jar right now is where he tried his entire life to get. He's not dead. He's right where he has worked his whole life to get there. Yeah. And he's there now. Yeah. Um, 
and, and it's just important to realize how small our lives are. But also, you know, earlier we said something, and I kind of butchered it, but, you know, we were talking about that when Jesus returns, the word is fulfilled because he is the word. He is the one fulfilling it. So, you know, we're still waiting for him to come back and gather the church. So when he comes, then the word will be fulfilled because he is the word. So, Josh, I, I want to ask, I want to set Josh up for this, and this will really, hopefully this will spark. Um, you know, we've probably got about 10 or so minutes left. Uh, so this will probably spark a good conversation. Um, so when it says, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot, one tittle, you know, nothing shall pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Josh, I, I kind of want to take it to this aspect. So one of the last things that we read of in the entire canon of Scripture is Revelations. So in Revelations chapter 21 is one of the last things that we see is going to take place. And it says, John says in the first verse, he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So literally, literally, this earth and heaven will be renewed. So, Josh, when God, when he destroys this current earth in fervent heat and everything's burned up and heaven and everything is in the process of being renewed, will that heaven and this earth and current heaven, will, will it not pass away? Will it not go away? Because in the process to make something new, the old has to disappear. So, Josh, when God is going to renew all things, okay, heaven and earth are going to pass Will the law and the prophecies and the word of God, will it still stand even in that process? Yes. Yes. And the law is timeless. And and not only is it timeless, but it's also relevant. You know, and that's that's the beauty of it is that law will always be. That the, the thing is is here so what it says when you when you speak of the law, it it becomes a very I guess if you will sensitive topic um because depending on how you look at the law how you look at salvation how one looks at you know the relationship of christ maturity yes. whether they studied the, enough to yes know. so that becomes it, be, it become a, a touchy topic to some and the thing is is that one thing that i, I do want to put out there is that if you start speaking of the law too much people will go well that's legalistics or legalistic and I'm, you know, I'm under grace. Absolutely. You know, yes. we, we are under grace. I fully believe. But in Matthew, in chapter five, uh, verse 20, it says, but for I say unto you that except your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, the people who had dedicated their lives to yeah. memorizing it yeah. and, and teaching their interpretation of it and what it meant to them. Yeah. Yeah, it says you shall no way enter into the kingdom and of it heaven. Goes, it goes right on in Matthew chapter 5, and it says, okay, well, you've heard it said what I say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and it, it says thou shalt not kill. How many of you guys have been mad at your brother without a cause? Right. Yeah. And that's the and that's the thing. So then, then people look at it at that legalistic standpoint, and they say, "Well, that's you know, I that's not it." So here's the thing: I want to kind of like I, I don't know. This is what I struggle with. I guess I've not struggled with it's the questions that kind of run through my brain. I guess is so you get into the time of the law, you get into like you know Deuteronomy and stuff, and the key is not necessarily of the keeping of the law, but it's why. You know, so one could tell you, don't do this. And it's like, you know, as a child, let's think as a child, you know, your mom tells you or your dad tells you, don't do this. Why? Because it hurts you. And that's it. 
well, how is it going to hurt me? Is it going to hurt me emotionally? Is it going to hurt yeah. me physically? Is it going to, you know, is it going to hurt me really bad? Is it going to just hurt a little bit? So therefore, if that is the only reason that we're doing it is because, you know, this is the law. It says not to do it. So don't do it. There, there's not enough reason there for us not to. So then if we look at the law as we don't do it because not of our own accord. We don't do it and we don't break the law because of Christ. Because our strength is on him and he is our savior. So therefore, it's not a matter of, well, why don't you do it? It's not because, well, I was just told not to do it or I was, you know, it's not that. It's that my, the reason I don't do it is because my strength is not on myself. It is on Christ yeah. and I'm serving him. So it's not a legalistic matter. It's a matter of the heart. And if you truly ain't serving Christ, you are serving something because it says we will have one or two masters. We'll despise the one and love the other. Yeah. So if we are not truly serving Christ, we are serving another master. Well, and, you know, I, I was even thinking the legalist. So someone who follows legalism um, is considered a legalist, a Pharisee, a legalist. You know, the person that looks at the law as the righteous requirement to have a good life and to go to heaven. So they're going to look at the law as, if I keep these, I'm good. Right, me and God got something worked out, I'll do good, I'll live a good life, I'll keep it. I've never killed anybody, so I'm good. So they look at it as the checklist, as Josh says. But for the true born-again Christian, I look at the law as now, this is my mission. That I'm going to abstain from sexual morality, as we learn in Corinthians. I'm going to flee fornication in 1 Corinthians 6. I'm not going to kill anyone, the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to commit adultery, the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to commit idolatry, the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to worship false gods. I'm not going to... Graven images, idolatry. And so the Christian looks at that and says, I don't have to keep this. This isn't my checklist. The Christian looks at it and says, I want to keep this because the Bible says that I can walk in the Spirit of God. And so if I will keep the commandments of the Lord, I will be spiritually minded. You know, when you read in Hebrews, it says to, you know, move those things which easily doth beset us, that trip us up, those sinful things, those sinful uh, unrighteousness acts. If I will get away from those and follow God's holy law, and I will follow God's holy requirements, and I will follow when Jesus says, you know, you know, the law says if you look, if you commit adultery, you know, he says, I say, if you look on a woman with lust, if I will go my whole life trying as hard as I can not to look on a woman with lust, it's because I have a desire within me so I can be holy and I can be righteous and I will be, my sin account will be short so I can serve the living God. And that's the difference between the legalist, someone who sees the checklist and the Christian who says, this is my life now because I want to be more like Christ. And it just blows my mind because, you know, when when Jesus is talking about all of these things about heaven and earth can pass, and I believe one one of my reference texts was Matthew twenty four thirty five when he when he says, you know, heaven and earth can pass, but you know, my, my words, words. They'll, they'll last. All of these things. It's just so important to realize. And Mitchell, if we could summarize this and come to a head um, to answer your question of what this verse is saying, it's saying this. It's saying that heaven and earth can pass away. Isaiah said our lives could even pass away. But one jot, one tittle, the smallest thing of the law and of the word of God will not go away. Heaven and earth, everything else can go away. But, you know, the jot, the tittle, the word, the commandment, it's not going to pass. 
It won't be passed until it is fulfilled. So guys, people could literally in this life, do they not try to get rid of the Word of God? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And they try to manipulate the Word of God to make it fit into what their lifestyle is. They what? say, oh, this is the way I want it. This is, well, my God. No, the Word of God is the same. And that's the standard. That's the standard that has been established, it has a- maintained the same, and is going to continue yes. as it's going to stay. It was a, it was the same case back then with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yep. You know, they tried to use the Word of God against Jesus. And, yep. and, 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 and we've got into several conversations, and boy, I know we are running short on time. But when we talk about uh, things like the law, and, and well, well, evidently God made a mistake because the law didn't work, and then Jesus had to come along. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't. Yes. No, that, that, that is. <laughs> so we've had those conversations before and yes. understand that when you look at the, at the Word of God in its entirety, it's it's the teaching process. How God teaches a, a fleshly human. Right. Uh, we, we've heard we've heard statements like uh, uh, Hunter, bless his heart. He's 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 full of the knowledge of the Word of God, uh, and he's desiring experience. How I learn, I learn best by experiencing yeah. things. The law had to be experienced by mankind to understand man alive. I'm a wreck. He yeah. gave, I'm a mess. Yeah. He gave them 4,000 plus years to have the law so they would open their eyes and say, well, you know what? We can't keep this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. but it's I had to get that in there because the fact that we are so helpless and so useless yep. without Christ and his fulfillment of the law and what he'd done on our behalf and the blood that was shed so that we could have hope. And yep. like, let, I want to read this. In Romans 5.20, it says, Moreover, the law entered. That the offense might abound. That sin would abound. Why? The knowledge of sin. So people would realize because of the law, they'll go, oh, we can't keep this. Look here. Okay. But where sin abounded, the knowledge of sin abounded. Grace Grace did much more abound. Yes. How you like me now? And I'm saying, you know, when people say, well, God must have just had to, you know, draw up a second plan. No. The, well, no, not even a second plan. People will tell you, you know, well, first there was Adam. He fell. Then we had Noah and the ark, and that didn't work. So then he brought in, you know, and they go all the way down. And then finally he sent his son, and that plan worked. No, no, but, no, 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 no. That was always from the beginning. And that's the thing. So we look at the, go back to Genesis, you know, all the way to the very beginning. It was there. The word was there, you know. Satan tempted, you know, with the word. The, the question was there. That was back in the garden. Yep. It was there. Yep. So therefore, all throughout all of the history, it had been there. Yep. It's been in place. There wasn't no mistake. Absolutely like he's not. sitting there like, oh, okay, let's try plan B. No, let's try plan. No, no, no. no it no. was. Okay. So even think about this. Okay. So you've got the law and the whole Bible rotates around Jesus. Right, the first real gospel message is in Genesis three fifteen. Your seed shall bruise his head, yep. and he will bruise thy heel. Talking about Jesus will crush Satan, yep. but he'll have to die. Yep. Okay, so now I want to say this. So now God gives the law to point out sin, but who does the law really point to? The old schoolmaster, as the scripture says, who's the old schoolmaster going to go over to? The new schoolmaster, right? You know, when you think about uh, a will, right? A will, in order for a will to happen, what has to take place? 
The person has to die for it to take place. So the law has to go away. It has to point to something greater. And it pointed to Jesus, the only person that could keep it. Okay? So now you get into Romans 7, and he says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Okay? For the woman which hath a husband is bound by law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead... She is loose from the law of her husband. So then, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no longer an adulteress, though she may be married to another man. Boom. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. That we And so this whole thing is pointing an example, and it uses the marriage of the wife yes. and the husband <clears throat> as people that, okay, the law died just like the husband died, and so therefore the wife is free from it. The people are free from the law. They can remarry and they can go to the new husband. And who was the new husband represent? Christ. That's it. Christ. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. The husband is dead. The law is dead and we are free from it. And I don't know how much easier you (laughs) could say it. I mean, literally. Listen, people. The earth can fade away. The heavens can fade away. We can die, but the law will still stand. But here's the thing. You know what will still stand and you still have a chance to accept is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. And people try to take that away. Great story, and I used it this weekend. You know, you always hear these stories about churches that burn down or houses that burn down, but what's the one thing that exists and doesn't burn? The Word of God. Listen, we serve a sovereign God. I'm wild today. We serve a sovereign God. (laughs) He's throwing stuff. And He controls (laughs) all things and determines all things. So do you think it's by chance that the the whole building burned down, but the Word of God didn't? No! So let's go back and look at at all the the points that Connor has just made. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way all of that is coincidence. No way. Right. There's no way. It's the providential hand of God using history, the law, his word, his spirit to teach fleshly man about that better way. And that way is Jesus Christ. And the, and when you listen, when you study theology, there's something called a general revelation where God reveals him things through natures and through coincidence. Well, not coincidence, through activities. So when that building burns down and the Word of God stands, what do you think God's trying to show us? Mm-hmm. That His Word is alive mm-hmm. and it will stand. And I'm telling you, literally, heaven, earth, all those things could pass away, but the Word of God will stand forever. And that's what Isaiah learned, and that's what Peter learned in his first epistle, because he said the Word liveth and abideth forever. And then he quoted Isaiah, and he said, This Word is the message that we have preached to you. The gospel. Yes. From the the message yes. of the word the, yep. of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we talk about beginning, we're talking about we're talking about humans again because we understand and know, being people of faith, that God has no beginning. Yep. It's always been. So's the word. It's always been. Has no end. It's gonna stand forever. Yes. And when people try to get rid of the word, like like let's say a mandate goes out in our country, which it could happen, and they say we're gonna take away all Bibles. 
So let's say they do take away all Bibles. That's fine. We'll just go to the early church days when they didn't have the Bible and they orally memorized everything. Hideth it in the heart. And literally, they could take my Bible away from me, but I'm still going to know the gospel message enough and my testimony that Jesus Christ has given to me to go out. So let them take the Bibles, because guess what? The Word will still stand, as as Isaiah said. The fulfillments are still going to happen, because Jesus Christ will show up one day and be like, where are all them people that threw all them Bibles away? Oh, yeah, hey, I revealed myself to you this time, and this time, and this time, and this time, and you don't serve me? Well, that's fine. And then they're going to, they're going to, well, they'll go to hell. And, and I mean, you know, the Bible says that he doesn't find joy in people that perish, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't wish that everyone would perish, but those people are literally making that choice by looking at scriptures like this and saying, you know what? That's a bunch of baloney. Well, let me share some baloney with you. Did you know that there's about 300 plus prophecies from Old Testament, throughout the whole Bible, but mainly from the Old Testament to what Jesus would do, even when it said that none of his bones would be broken? Did you know that 100% of them were complete? Why? They hurt the church. They, I mean, the Jewish people were in captivity. People tried to keep the word of God and prophecies from not being fulfilled. They even, they even said, let's just kill Jesus and we'll get rid of this. They fulfilled prophecy (laughs) from their ignorance. And And even after the fact, even trying to cover it up, they, they were still fulfilling that the, the, the prophecy of it, they, there is no stopping it. No, you, oh, at Gamaliel in the book of Acts, he says, listen, they come to him, they're saying, they're, the Pharisees are having these complications about the Pharisees, and they're getting mad and they're wanting to kill him. And Gamaliel, who trained Paul, Paul went to the school of Gamaliel to learn the law. When you read that story, Gamaliel says, there was a man who existed here, a person that claimed to be Christ. Well, he faded out. Okay. There was another man who rose up and he had great followers and they were killed and they faded out. And then Gamaliel says, don't touch these apostles because if it be of God, we will not be able to stop it. But if it's not, then it will stop. stop. And do you know what? They realized. Well, let's just kill them. Okay, fine. But because it was of God, they couldn't stop it. So therefore, like a wildfire, the church just spread. Same thing goes with the statement you just made, Hunter. If they take the Bible, the hard copies, the literal bound word of God from our presence, what other piece of literature has impacted a population so much that even if it's gone hard copy physically from our presence, it's going to be visible in our actions, in our attitudes, in our daily relationships. It's going to be visible because it's impacted a population of people's lives so deeply that it can't be removed. Right. Can't you can't? It's impossible. Like, uh, I mean, for example, if listen, if you have ever studied Mormonism, or if you listen to this and you're a Mormon, then listen. Uh, <laughs> the book Pay of, uh, of Joseph Smith, I believe the the mm-hmm. fu- if all of his books and all of his teachings were to disappear, how long do you think it would take for that the people to forget about the writings of Joseph Smith? It wouldn't take long, right? Maybe maybe a hundred years. Right. Mormons would be this small. Because half of them don't read anyway. Because when you talk to one, they don't even know what they're talking about. Okay, let's say you take away the Word of God. Since it's of the one true God, yeah, it's not going anywhere. In fact, it might spread more. Because when persecution comes down on the people, they multiply. I mean, the same thing. Darwin, you know, all these guys, if you took all of their textbooks away within the hundred years, they wouldn't remember what Darwin said. But because his books are still here, people still read and they try to study and they still... It wouldn't exist anymore. 
take away the word of God, it'll be here in hundred years. Forever. I, yeah. I'm telling you, and forever. Woo. Um, and we so, sorry. go ahead. Go. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Get this no, no, no. We've. I mean, literally, we're fired up here, and we've come to the end of our time. We've been about. Yeah, we've been about an hour. Um, and so, Mitchell, we hope that we a long route. We've answered your question, and to summarize it, this verse is just saying that the smallest thing in the law. It's not going to pass away until it's fulfilled. Heaven can go away. All of these things can take place. But it will. the word that needs to be accomplished and has been accomplished, it'll still exist. And I'm telling you, even when the day comes when we're in eternity forever and ever and everything's been fulfilled and everything's happening, the word's still going to be there. Yep. The word will still be alive and we will be able to dwell with it forevermore. I'm a personal believer. You know, it talks about that there's books that took that are uh, God keeps. Um, and, and, you know, I believe that this scripture and these stories and the inspired word of God, I think when we get to heaven, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. We may not need it as much anymore because it's been fulfilled, but I believe scripture is still going to be something that, you know, the Lord, maybe he'll talk about. Maybe he'll teach us things we've never even heard of from this book, things that humanity could never grasp because of sin. You know, maybe we'll get to hear him give, you know, say, you remember that one time that woman, y'all read about the woman who ran up to me and touched my cloth? Maybe he'll tell us things about it that we weren't ever able to read. Yeah. Um, the word will still exist, Mitchell, and we hope that this has answered your question. So, guys, do y'all have, I mean, anything that you want to say before we leave? God bless. God bless. Guys, we have thoroughly enjoyed this, and, um, you know, if you listen to the end before you listen to the beginning, go ahead and turn your volume down about halfway, just because we, <laughs> we're a little wild today. Maybe it's the coffee, so. But, guys, we love y'all. We miss y'all. Um, and, uh Alan, come to church. Come to church, but Alan, let's end this in prayer. Will you Absolutely. pray for us? Absolutely, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity that you've given us. God, we thank you for your word, and God, we thank you for its faithfulness. God, and the fact that we can depend on it, uh, not just uh, now, God, but for eternity, we can depend on it to raise our families. We can depend on it to uh, operate a church, uh, and God, we can depend on it for our nation. God, and I pray that you would help our leaders. God, as this time of uncertainty is going on, to uh, turn to your word, God, and I pray that you would help them, God, to have knowledge and wisdom, God, in the decision-making that takes place. And pray now that you would just uh, watch over us. Bless every person that listens to this podcast, God. We love them. And God, if there's somebody out there that don't know you, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them, God, and they would accept you as their Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.